Rigged. Rigged. System for mobile and financial. This is Rigged. I'm Terry Saka. Today's going to be a pretty powerful program. I'd sit back on this one. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about how to deconstruct uh, some of the mainstream type of narrative regarding inflation, hyperinflation. And what I want to do is tell you uh, today's program really is about what this inflation and hyperinflation really is going to mean for each and every one of us. You see, they, they talk about, well, it's going to be higher prices and, you know, it's it's transitory. It's going to be temporary. But this time around, it's very different. And I think for most people today um, alive uh, that, you know, remember the transition anyway, I think the very last transition, but it wasn't something we were able to catch was in 1970 when we came off the gold standard. We were involved in the Vietnam War. I think for the most part, you know, society was uh, entrenched in, you know, the concept of war and what that was doing to our communities. And at the same time, we were having extraordinary inflation with interest rates because we were introducing the new monetary system, the new Federal Reserve note that we have in our wallet today. So at that time, um, it's really interesting because we didn't. We were starting off into a new system, a new currency. Now, we supposedly had some asset backed. We didn't really have any debt at the time. Uh, we came out of the gate with just a few hundred billion dollars in debt, which, of course, in 1970, 71, that was pretty good. But we came out of the gate. And through that, uh, we we had obviously some inflation because there was all this cash chasing in. I think it was really about the distraction of what was going on in Vietnam and all the money that needed to be spent. And gold was just keeping us from doing that. And so that was really the day that the dollar died, although you know, we've had our 50 years of fun with it. Uh, but that's when they took us off, you know, permanently off a tangible asset-backed currency or money. At that point, we could actually call it money. Uh, because when a currency note like the dollar bill you're holding is actually backed by gold, silver, or tangible asset, it actually is called money because it does have a storage of value over time because inflation is real. Although a lot of inflation is manufactured because of monetary policy. So in the 70s, we were brand new. We were coming off this system of gold and they decided to hit the printing presses. And then, of course, you know, interest rates shot up, you know, for many of the younger ones. You know, we were seeing 19 percent interest. And can you imagine how that just, you know, stalled the economy? Um, we had gas lines around the block. Uh, you know, 19 percent interest was making a home almost just unconscionable to get. But everything's evolved in 50 years. We've evolved our finances. We're in an electronic world. You know, we have a lot more credit card base than we ever had back then. We have a lot more credit extended than we did back then. Although all of this has created a enormous debt bubble in not just the federal government, but the individual people, we the people, uh, the average person and, and how much debt they may carry. Uh, between, you know, credit cards, personal loans, automobiles, homes, uh, that a lot of that has changed. Um, you know, there were things you can do in the 70s that you can't do today. You know, in the 70s, you could have a single uh, earner parent in the household and they can every, literally raise a family. They can uh, they can go to college. You can pay for your own college. You can have a car. You could have your own home. And then when you got married, you were able to. But then it changed quickly, of course, because the inflation started screaming This is the essence, though. Many people are thinking, well, you know, we did it in the 70s. 
And we had these years, but then we came, you know, we got in this boom. And then, of course, you know, the Wall Street, the 80s, uh, all the movies you can go, you know, watch about that because that was instant greed as we were creating credit out of thin air. It was just really on the books. And and so we would issue more bonds, issue more U.S. treasuries, and then we would keep spending money and just spending money and spending money. And it caused a massive stimulus into the banking system, which, of course, you know, led to the big, big boom of the 80s of, of the stock market and because it was new. And so they had that, that ability to create. And so I think a lot of people sometimes say, yeah, OK, I get inflation. It's really horrible right now. But, you know, if they're thinking anything like history pattern or cycle there, there's a good chance that they're going to be wrong because this time it's different. And that's what we're going to get into today, breaking this down. This is probably going to be a two or three part uh, series on it. Um, I'm going to do my best to stay pretty focused on, but it's really good stuff because I think the perception out there in our country is, yeah, we're seeing higher prices, but for the most part, we don't really understand the major impact it has. We do know for the short term what impact it's making. Obviously, we're paying more for things, but you know the whole concept of it being transitory and the way the mainstream tries to tell you, oh, it'll get better. There is no doubt there will be some products that prices come down, and there will probably you know potentially even be a call for deflation, which means prices come down and the economy slows down. The only real problem with that is we're we're talking right now, not that it actually passes. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, the evidence is coming out overwhelmingly in, in states that are changing their laws and, and doing audits that the election is no doubt was was coordinated and rigged across, uh, for the most part, battleground states. And I, I really believe that these machines at the end of the day, even out in California and other places, probably were corrupt to an extent. Um, but they're going to find a lot of anomalies and they're going to find out that this really was a coordinated rigged election on top of a virus that they're now seeing um, coming out, which we knew from day one. I did because of military. But of course, you know, the mainstream runs the narrative. They run the lie of our culture. They run the lie of our world. And for the vast most of it, they take and spin and it's a they're spin masters where they can bring something to you, but it, it, 90% of it is really false interpretation. But anyway, we know that there's a big issue here and they're going to probably see this unravel, which is not good because we know the virus was made in a laboratory. You know, at the end of the day, they're going to find out it was it was a bioweapon. Absolutely. It was ran with the Chinese military. It was even coordinated through our own military at one point. It was released and sent from the United States in research over to China's Wuhan lab in, I believe, like 2014. And the money was following and they got caught because there's a paper trail and there's scientific paperwork attached to it. They were definitely doing gain of function research, which is basically making the very virus that destroyed our world in the last year and a half. That was man-made it could have never infected a human being if it didn't have these man-made spike proteins added to it. Well, anyway, so because that's playing down, it is really wreaking havoc now, obviously, in the financial system. I really believe that was not just um, an effort to make sure that they can do the cheating in the election uh, by mail-in ballot, but I also believe it gave them uh, what they were going to make sure happened that Donald Trump would not get back in. 
And then they go on this tirade of monetary spending. And I just believe it's it's not only unbelievably reckless, but it goes back to a Cloward Piven theory where, you know, you just destroy the system from within and then it screams and demands attention. And it's that screaming and demanding attention uh, that um, will be something that I'll have to reckon with. But it's it's in that screaming and demanding of attention, you know, for change that they can usher in a full blown communism or, or a socialist agenda. I mean, it's pretty clear that there's a big chunk of politics here in the United States that is uh, buddied up right to China. They definitely are part of the Chinese communist um, wealth trap. Uh, you're seeing it in not in just Hollywood, but our sports and a lot of our politicians. They they would rather have the money than have the integrity uh, for the Constitution, freedom, sovereignty. Uh, rule of law, you know, rights, human rights, you can go on and on, right? We're selling out. We have a big part of our country willing to sell out. And then they call people that want to preserve that integrity, you know, these supremacist racist types, which is just a ridiculous comment. You're dealing with communism and you're dealing with capitalism, folks, and, and they're trying their best. But with all that said, this is not the 70s, though, the whole entire point. This time it's different. We not only have all of the assets back in the 70s we had that we were leveraging, uh, which allowed us to expand our monetary base. We were taking over the money system for the most part. We were controlling the SWIFT, which is how banks would go into money with other banks. And then we began the process in the 70s of actually making the world as we see it today to, to a large extent. We started becoming the world's largest uh, creditor nation. Uh, we would you know, give money to everyone. We kind of paid people off. We pushed people around. So we've gone from the world's largest creditor nation running the monetary system to then being the world's largest debtor nation, where America's debt load right now is the largest debt that any nation has ever incurred in the history of the world that I'm aware of. So and we've done that on a time when the baby boomer generation was just beginning to make taxes in the 70s. They were a large generation of real heavily produced type of people. There was a lot of work available at the time and they just were moving. Well, they were paying taxes. Now that very generation is coming off of paying taxes and going on to these unfunded liabilities. And when I say unfunded liabilities, I'm talking Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And we can go on into other programs. Now, many people say, well, we pay taxes for that. Yeah, but they spent that money. They never saved it for the rainy day, and they're just robbing from from the uh, the present to, or the robbing from the future to pay for the present. Well, the present or the future is here, and so now that the future is here, they don't have the money to cover the vast programs of Medicare and Social Security, and to sustain the Medicaid. But that's just a small aspect of it. The point being is that our nation in the 70s was beginning this experiment into the new system. And we had a lot of leeway and leverage. We had a lot of wiggle room and we had a great war going on. Not that it was a good war. I'm just saying it was a distraction, a great distraction to where people didn't realize what just happened to their future savings. 
So for those in the, the in the 70s that actually saved for the future in retirement, if they saved it in silver and gold at the time, they would be extremely infinitely wealthier. And obviously it took time to burn through the system. But here we are today in 2020 and our monetary system is completely annihilated. There is so much in the funny math world of off counting, off book accounting, um, government agencies, swapping with other government agencies, issuing bonds, buying them back, reissuing them, where honestly, the U.S. Treasury probably has on average three, four, five owners. I mean, it's a ridiculously sloppy um, spider web of complication. That, and they like it that way because then no one really understands that essentially the system is busted. So next week, we'll continue this series. And God bless each and every one of you. With record money printing, wild fluctuations in the stock market, and our devalued currency, only one easily accessible investment has stood the test of time. And that is precious metals. Precious metals, such as physical silver and gold, are a store of value, provide stability for your portfolio, and are the most widely accepted hedge against inflation and market volatility. Fortunes of incalculable wealth have been built throughout history through ownership of these wonderful metals, and smart investors still rely on the dependability of silver and gold to protect and preserve their hard-earned wealth and prosper in times of economic uncertainty. Call Cornerstone Asset Metals today at 888-747-3309 to protect, preserve and prosper with silver and gold. Call 888-747-3309 or visit cornerstoneassetmetals.com.